Today, I want to address a few things regarding judgment and grace. You know, you talk to some people, they think that these two things cannot coexist, that uh, judgment and grace cannot go together. But guess what, guys? They do. I mean, Yahweh, He is gracious. He is merciful. He is compassionate. He is, he is everlasting. He is kind, right? But He is also holy. He is righteous. He is just. He is true. So He is, the, he is these together, but we don't always understand how these things go together and how these work. Uh, typically, you have some people who are just like, just all judgment. <laughs> and then you have people that are like, all grace. And they're both wrong. <laughs> and at times, we could fall into one camp or the other, right? But the idea is to have a balance between these two, because offering grace does not do away with judgment. And so there's some things that we can see biblically how we're to live our lives with a good balance of these and how Yahweh has shown us how to walk in these things. We live according to righteous rulings, the way that Yahweh told us to follow after his heart. But yet we know we're not perfect. And there are times that we make mistakes and there are times that we fall. Praise Yahweh, we have an advocate to, that, to, to go before us so that we can stand and walk and be able to live this life. We praise Yahweh that he has extended to us his grace. But understand, everything that Yahweh has given to us is by his grace. And so how do we think about these? You know, if, if we're living a life, if we're just focused completely and totally on just grace, then what? There's no judgment or righteousness or anything else that has to be established in that? No, I mean, because if we're just focusing on just this one area, and I'm going to kind of put it this way too, not just saying grace, but what, the way most people understand grace. Uh, grace does not mean, oh, it's okay, you can do what you want, which is how some people translate that. But I'm just saying, so it's, it's a matter of when we offer grace, we're not saying, you know, you can just do whatever you want, but we're saying that there's a, a way we make mistakes, but we're giving you the chance to make it right and continue and keep going. Yahweh lifts us up, sets us in the path, and tells us to keep going, right? Yeshua, when he said, your sins are forgiven you, what did he say next? Go and sin no more, right? So we have to learn how to walk with him in the midst of these things, all right? Even in that, you know, so we have to know what the truth is in order to learn how to walk in it. And I think it would be safe to say that none of us knows the entirety of every single thing in Yahweh's word for us. So we continue to learn. We strive to, to learn his heart, learn his ways, to read his word, to do these things. But in the areas, there are times we mess up. We need to kind of pick ourselves up and continue to walk forward. We learn, and as we learn, we change. And that's the thing. Yeshua said, the truth will set you free, right? But what did he say before that? He said, if you are my disciples, you continue in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free context. <laughs> so if you, he says, you are my disciple, what is the word for disciple? The word for disciple is Talmud, which means student. So there is a place where we have to study. There's a place where we have to go in and we have to learn. So we learn. And, and as we learn, we change and we follow him. He says, you are my disciples. You will stay in my word and you will know the truth. And then the truth will set you free. Many people are walking in what they believe truth to be, but might not be truth. And so are we truly being set free and walking in the way that he desires for us uh, if we don't know what he says. We could be making mistakes that we're unaware of. And that's why, again, it's need for the body at large as well, because we got to help each other. We got to help each other because we all know things that uh, maybe somebody else doesn't. So when we all come together, it's working together to show the heart of the Father and living in that way. All right. 
A couple things I want to address here. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart diligently, for from it flow springs of life. Guard your hearts. Watch over your hearts. Because the things that we allow into our hearts affect us. And it can affect the way we see life, our worldview, and the way we treat one another, handle one another, or uh, uh, how our, our relationships are. Guard your hearts, because this is where we give our hearts to Yahweh. And so we have to watch over what we allow into our lives because what we allow into our lives will ultimately come out to be uh, given to somebody else. And let's talk about the good fruit, right? We want to be ones to produce good fruit. That means the water needs to be good, the soil needs to be good, the seeds need to be good, and the fertilizer needs to be good, all this to produce good fruit. So we have to be careful of the things we allow in because what we allow in will come out. So again, it's not just learning, it's not just reading, but there's also some discernment that's involved in that too. Yeshua said this in Matthew 22, 29. Answering Yeshua, he said to them, you've gone astray because you don't understand the scriptures or the power of God. So is it important to understand the scriptures? Absolutely. Because how can you walk with him if you don't know what he's telling you to do? <laughs> so we have to study the scriptures. And I'm not saying we know it all, nobody does. But yet, we are learning, and as we do so, we follow. We need to stay in the Word. I know people who say, no, we can't just study in the, in, in the letter of the Word because we have to operate in the spirit of things. Well, my question to that is, how can you operate in the spirit of things if you don't know what the Word says? <laughs> you can't operate in the spirit of something if you don't know what the Word is telling you what the spirit of that is. So again, there's some discernment that's involved in that. You know, we have to make sure that our lives are lining up with the heart of the Father and lining up according to his ways and the things that he has established for us. Peter puts it this way, 2 Peter 3, 15 to 17, bear in mind that the patience of our Lord means salvation, just as our dearly beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with wisdom giving to him. He speaks about those matters in all of his letters. Some things in them are hard to understand. What, is, what does it say about some things that are written, not just from Shaul, but even throughout the Torah, right? There are some things in the Torah that's hard to understand. Well, there are some things that Shaul wrote that are difficult to understand that he says, the ignorant and unstable twist as they do the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. In other words, how you approach the scripture can affect how you translate it and how you interpret it. And so are we approaching it in the way that's proper, in the way that it's intended to be, or are we approaching it with some mindsets that might be off or with some preconceived ideas that might be off that will have an effect on the outcome of what we think is being said? So we have to be careful that we don't allow our bias to interpret the scripture for us. Unfortunately, we are human and there are many times that that does happen, but we have to be careful and allow place and room for correction in that. Even what he says here, there are some places in the scripture that those who are ignorant and unstable, in other translations it says unlearned and untaught. Ignorant just means you don't know, and, and let's face it, you don't know what you don't know, <laughs> right? So we have to learn along the way, but then it says unstable. Uh, this is if we're not solid in the foundation of the word. We're not saying we don't love Yahweh, but I'm saying, are we really trying to get that good foundation in the word that's established in our hearts? Scripture says, when I give you a new heart and I give you a new spirit, he will write his word in your heart. Why? So that you will follow his word. And that's what he tells us to do. When he says, follow me, he's telling us to turn away from our path of life and, and learn his ways and his hearts. So he says, you're continuing, uh, verse 17, since you already know all this, loved ones, be on your guard so that you're not led astray by the error of those who are lawless and lose your sure footing. What does it mean when he says those who are lawless? Those who 
are working outside of the word that was given. The word that's often translated as laws, but in many places, it's, in the Greek, is nomos, which is a translate from Torah. Uh, and like lawlessness is anomia, which means without Torah, or without the boundaries or the foundation or the guides of the, the Torah. So those who are outside of that aren't going to have an understanding or a good comprehension of what the word is really saying. And so it's like if we try to interpret the scripture without the Torah, are we going to have a good translation or a good interpretation of the scripture? No. But if we start with the Torah and work our way all the way through, we start with the foundation and work all the way through, then it gives us a better idea of what's really being said. Because then everything starts to open up a little differently. When you read the book from front to back versus from the middle to the end, it teaches us a little differently, right? 1 Timothy 1, 6 through 8, it says, Some having missed the mark have turned away to fruitless discussion, wanting to be teachers of the Torah, although they do not understand what they keep saying or what they do so dogmatically assert. But we know that the Torah is good if one uses it legitimately. So what, he, what he's saying here is that there are people who want to teach the Torah, but they don't know it. <laughs> you know, it's like we're, we're excited about what we're learning and we want to share it. And that's great. Share it. But don't call yourself a teacher if you just started to do this for a year. There's, there's a difference there. There has to be a time set for learning and established and, and, and a time set to uh, uh, get, some, get a good foundation of some things. By all means, you can share what you're thinking. It's part of our testimony, part of what Yahweh's revealing to us. We're supposed to be able to share the word with one another and just be excited about those things. But like I said, it doesn't mean that uh, you're now a teacher of all these things, right? Again, we all have different places within the body, and we all need to work in our places so that it functions everybody. You know, no one's any better than anybody else. No one's any worse than anybody else. We're all just trying to walk according to Yahweh and his kingdom. But by doing so, we can be a body that glorifies his name and blesses, right? Hebrews 5, 12 to 14 says, For although you ought to be teachers by this time again, you need someone to teach you the basics of God's sayings. You have come to, uh, to need milk, not solid food. For anyone living on milk is inexperienced with the teaching about righteousness. He's an infant. But the solid food is for the mature who through practice have their senses trained to discern both good and evil. That's just it. You don't give an infant the keys to the car. <laughs> They're not going to know what to do with it. And if they were able to get it started, it could be dangerous for someone, right? There's a training and a time for all things. And we have to make sure we're willing to submit ourselves to the time for the process. Like I said, we're all in the journey, but we need all need to change to be more like him in the process. James 3.1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, since you know that we will receive stricter judgment. That's a good warning. You know, because consider this, the things that you speak to people or have an influence on people's lives, you will be held accountable for before the Father. So if you're teaching something that's error and someone goes off astray in error because of something that you taught, for lack of a better way to put it, that's blood on your hands. You know, you have to be careful with things like that. And you have to make sure if you're going to teach something, if you're going to say something, you kind of have to be willing to admit when you're wrong and be willing to, to correct those mistakes. And you also have to be able to understand that uh, everything that you say, you're going to be accountable. For, you know, so uh, it's def definitely a humbling thing. We're talking about the balance of judgment and grace in this. And if you come to an understanding of that, it kind of helps you stay on the road and not fall into a ditch one way or the other. Deuteronomy 16, 18 to 20 says, Judges and officers, you are to appoint within your gates that Adonai your God is giving you according to your tribes, and they are to judge the people how? Righteous judgment. Well, the thing is, how do you know what righteous judgment is unless you know what righteous judgment is? 
Well, how do we find that out? And guess what, guys? It's not by, well, I think. Because what everyone thinks is determined on your life up to this point, your life experiences, the things that you've experienced, how you approach life, how you approach and view different things. And that could be on a different scale for different people. However, if we understand that the word of Yahweh is our standard, then we understand this is where righteous judgment comes in. And that's how we learn to discern the things in life that we're supposed to walk in. We're all supposed to uphold the word of Yahweh in our hearts and in our lives. And we're to do so, not in strict adherence to do this or else, no, but we're all supposed to help each other in the life to walk these things. And in areas where where we do mess up, we're supposed to help lift one another up, put each other back on the path, help pray for one another, lend a hand to one another. And that's what we're all here for. So he says, verse 19, you are not to twist justice. You must not show partiality or take a bribe for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and distorts the words of the righteous. Justice, justice you must pursue so that you may live and possess the land that Adonai your God is giving you. Where it says justice, justice you are, pers- you are to pursue, the word is Zedek, and uh, it repeats it. So um, it kind of reads this way, justice, justly you are to pursue. In other words, you're to do the right thing the right way. It's not just about, I can do whatever I want as long as I have a good outcome. No, you are to do the right thing the right way. God cares about the process of something as much as he does the outcome. See, even when they're going, like when they came out of Mitzrayim and they're going, to the, going into the land, did he care about the, how they lived in the wilderness? Absolutely. You know, so life is a journey. Life is a process. Yahweh cares about the process. And it's not just about the destination. It's about... In the daily, are we living with him? Are we following him? Are we uh, learning his ways and learning to walk with him in these things? So with that, John 7, 24 says, do not judge by appearance, but judge righteously. You may have heard uh, like Matthew 7, 1 through 5, judge not lest you be judged, right? I don't even heard that a lot of times, right? How do you have heard that out of context? It doesn't mean that you can't say something is wrong. (laughs) That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is, it's addressing double standards. Let's face it, uh, a lot of times we're harder on other people than we are on ourselves. You know, we see somebody else doing something, we're like, oh, I can't believe they would do that as we're doing something we shouldn't be doing, right? <laughs> this is to tell us not to do that, and that's why it says as well, back to uh, John 7, 24, don't judge by appearance, but judge righteously. And, and keep in mind as well, that it's not every person's place to make judgments. There were people in, 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 that were established to do so. It's not your job to judge your neighbor. It's your job to help your neighbor. <laughs> and we're supposed to show that heart to the people. You know, We're supposed to show that love that Yeshua told us to give. And uh, it, like I said, it doesn't mean that you can't say you don't agree with something, and it doesn't mean that you can't say something is wrong. But how are we going to treat people in the process? How are, we go- how are we going to live in the midst of that? And that is where the heart of the matter really comes, okay? So even in Matthew 7, 1 through 5, again, he says, uh, through what judgment you judge, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam in your own eye? Or how will you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, but, with, but look, the beam is in your eye. First, hypocrite, take the beam out of your own eye so that you can see clearly take the speck out of your brother's eye. It's kind of like if I got a spot on my glasses and I'm looking at everyone and I'm like, boy, everybody's got a big spot right in the middle of their forehead. The problem's not you. <laughs> the problem is I need to clean my glasses. A lot of times we need to stop and consider that. Are we just being overly critical or judgmental for, or are we truly trying to help each other? See, again, there's a balance in it, right? And, and the Torah does tell us that if we see that there's a fault with our brother, they're doing something they shouldn't, we're supposed to go to them and talk to them. So, so we're supposed to do that, but it doesn't mean we're judging them. It means, okay, 
talk to me. This is going on. You shouldn't be doing this. What's happening? You know, help each other out. Luke 6, 36 to 38. Be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate to you. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, will be given into your lap. For whatever measure you measure out will be measured back to you. How many of you have heard this last verse here used in context of money? Can I share something with you? It ain't about money. (laughs) It's not. It's about your life. It's about how you live. It's about everything you do. Whatever you give will be returned to you. You give love, love will be returned to you. You give kindness, kindness will be returned to you. You give compassion, compassion will be returned back to you. You give the heart of the Father to those around you, that will be returned back to you. That which you give will be returned to you. And that's what he says. That's what he's like reading context, what he's talking about in verse 36, 37, before you get to 30. This is how we're to live. So the question, is it important to know mishpat? What's mishpat? The word mishpat is, is judgment. The word mishpat is judgment. From the word shofet, shafat is to ju- judgment. Shofet is a judge. So these are all words that are related, but it means a judge, a judgment, uh, all of us coming in together. Is it important to know mishpat? And the answer is yes, because we have to know what righteous judgments are so that we learn how to live in relationship with one another. Because if we understand what mishpat are, what the mishpatim are, we understand that they're all about relationship, which I'll point that out here in John 16, 7 through 8. Because I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but go and I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about what? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. So when the helper comes, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Ruach that is here for us to equip us and help live with us, right? Then he says he will convict us about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. In other words, these are things that God is going to reveal to us. So we need to know what is happening here. We need to know how to to walk with these. Psalm 97, 1 and 2, says, Yahweh reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of vials be glad thereof, clouds and darkness round about him. Look at this. Righteousness and judgment. Zedek or Mishpat. Zedek is the word for righteousness. Mishpat is the word for judgment. Zedek or Mishpat are the habitation or the foundation of his throne. So the foundation of the throne of Yahweh is righteousness and judgment. These two go together. You have, if, if you're going to have judgment, it has to be righteous judgment. And to walk in righteousness, we need to know about how to walk in relationship with him, right? Bruce Wells from the Zondervan Illustrated Bible Backgrounds Commentary puts this this way. The legal material in Exodus can also point beyond itself to principles of living and decision-making that are about more than simply ensuring that a rule has not been violated. How many of us have approached the Word of God as just a book of rules? It's not. It's about showing the heart of the Father and revealing how He desires for us to live so that we can walk a life that is in blessing, a life of covenant relationship that is blessing involved in it. Okay, continuing on. They're about commitment to live as part of a community that has a special relationship with Yahweh and that pursues a lifestyle in keeping with that relation. Are we approaching the word of Yahweh that way? Are we approaching the word of Yahweh as a commitment to live in a community that has a relationship with Yahweh and we are walking in the lifestyle he has called us to in that relationship? When you come to him and he redeems you, what does the scripture say? Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So we need to learn how to walk in the new. All we've known is where we've been, which kind of got us in a mess. So how do we learn how to change? 
He says he will help you change, so we have to get in the Word to show us where and how to change. And as we approach his Word, his life, he continues to reveal himself to us, and that'll change our mindsets. That'll change how we think about things. And, and the more we see how Yahweh is revealing his character to us in the life of Yeshua and in his word that he has given. Yeshua is the word made flesh that dwelt among us, yes? So these don't contradict one. So we're talking about the letter of the law or the spirit of the law, yes, both. Like we said, you can't operate in the spirit of the law if you don't know what it is. So you have to know what the word says to know about the intent and the why that it was given and how we're to walk in it, okay? Romans 7:14 says, we know the Torah is of the spirit. So the Torah is spiritual, the Torah is of the spirit. 1 Timothy 1.8 says, we know the law is good if one uses it lawfully. You know, how many of you understand that the Torah is good, but there are people who misuse it? There are people who misapply it. So the Torah is good if you use it the way it's supposed to be. Psalm 119.142 says, your righteousness is eternal righteousness and your Torah is what? Truth. So when we talk about truth, there's only one solid truth that we have, and that is the word of Yahweh. See, he is truth, Right but it is his word that was given to us that we can walk in truth. And that's showing his word. So what is mishpat? What is justice? First time the word mishpat is used is back in Bereshit, back in the book of Genesis 18, verses 17 through 19. Yahweh says, shall I hide from Avraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Avraham will surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him and that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of Yahweh. So he says that Avraham will teach his household and his descendants and his children after him to, te- to walk in the way of Yahweh. What is the way of Yahweh? To do justice and judgment. To do justice and judgment. Now, we just read where justice and judgment are the foundation of the throne of Yahweh, right? So he says that Abraham will teach his household and his descendants after him to do justice and judgment. In other words, when we're doing what Yahweh has called us to do, we're also helping to establish his throne here on earth. We're learning to walk according to his kingdom. We're learning to walk according to his ways. And he says that he will do this so that Yahweh will bring upon Abraham everything that he has spoken of him. Yahweh says that he's doing this. He will fulfill everything that he said because he is continuing to keep his eyes set on Yahweh and his ways. So, Mishpatim, what are Mishpatim? So we already said Mishpatim is judgments. However, there is a portion of scripture that is called Mishpatim. And it's right after the portion of scripture from this week's Parsha, Yitro, which has the Ten Commandments in it. Next week's Parsha is called Mishpatim. So isn't it interesting that this week we have Yahweh speaking to all Israel. I mean, think about this for a minute. When Yahweh spoke from heaven where all Israel heard his voice, not just one man, all Israel heard his voice and he spoke, I am the Lord your God who set you free, who brought you to myself. You were to have no other gods before me. He spoke the 10 words. All Israel heard his voice. And what did they do? They freaked out. They said, we could not stand to hear the voice of Yahweh anymore. Moses, you go find out what Yahweh says, and you come tell us what he says. That way we can ignore you. <laughs> okay, that's not what they said, but, but that's how we often approach it. Oh, those words that are written, it was just written by a man, right? No, 
No. Well, who was it that, that told Moses, you know, that made him leader? Guess what? Yahweh did, but on top of that, all Israel did as well. Because they said, Moses, you go find out what, he's, what Yahweh says and tell us. And he did. And then they're like, that's just Moses. <laughs> I digress. What is he telling us to do? Right after that, so he spoke the 10 words. The people said, we can't stand to hear the voice of Yahweh anymore or else we're gonna die. What are we gonna do? We can't bear this anymore. They backed off, told Moses to go closer. And right after this happened, Yahweh spoke the Mishpatim, which is all about relationships and how we're to handle one another and deal with one another righteously. And this is exactly the things that the people said, we don't wanna hear. <laughs> is it any different today? Think about it. But these are all about how we're, how we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul and all our might and love one another. Yes, the 10 words tell us how to do that, but this is a continuation of those things. Yahweh wasn't done talking. <laughs> you know, he continued to speak, just the people said, we don't want to hear it. And so Moshe wrote it down for us and showed us these things. So how do these things work together? Well, Exodus 21, 1 to twenty two nineteen show us respect for man and also goes down to Exodus 23, 1 to 23, 9, which shows how to love your neighbor. Exodus 22, 20 to 22, 26 shows the fear of Adonai and, and Exodus 23, 10 to 23, 19 shows love Adonai. So all of these are working together to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. These are showing us how to have relationship with one another when we don't agree or when we're approaching areas of life when we're like, okay, what do we do now? This was helping in those areas. And these are called judgments. Let me ask you this. If you have a dispute between people and it's not getting resolved and you go before a judge, what do you want? You want judgment. The only thing is you want it favorable for you. <laughs> and that's what Yahweh's telling us, that in life and in situations and circumstances, if we follow his ways, we will be favorable in judgment. We will walk with him in these things. Psalm 96, 12 to 13 says, Let the land exalt and all that is in it. And all the trees of the forest will sing for joy before Adonai, for he is coming. He is coming to judge the earth, and he will judge the world with righteousness and the people in faithfulness. Deuteronomy 1, 16 and 17 it says, I commanded your judges at that time, saying, Hear cases between your brothers and judge fairly between a man and his brother or outsider with him. You must not show partiality in judgment. You must hear the small and the great alike. Fear no man, for the judgment is whose? The judgment belongs to Elohim. Judgment is God's. How can it be his? Because we're not giving our opinion on the matter. We need to go back to the Word to see what the Word says and the prerequisites of the things that we've seen and how do we handle this situation with one another. We need to make sure that we're doing the heart of the Father that is given here. It's not just, well, I think, right? And that's why it's not just falling in the hands of one person. Again, that's why there was a need for multiple judges and the need for a community of people to walk with the heart of the Father. Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, final word, when all has been heard, when everything else is said and done, the thing that really is important from Solomon. I mean, I think he had a lot to say, right? He experienced quite the life. And he said, when everything is said and done, this is the only thing that matters. What is it? Fear God and keep his mitzvah. For this applies to all mankind. God will bring every deed into judgment, including everything that is hidden, whether it's good or evil. And that word there is mishpat. God will bring every deed into mishpat. He will bring every deed into judgment. And the mishpat, again, back to how he tells us to relate to one another and handle life with one another. Jeremiah 8, 7 says, Even the stork in the sky knows their appointed times, and the turtle dove, swallow, and crane observe the time of their migration. But my people do not know the judgments of Adonai. It says, But my people do not know 
yadu is the word used there. The people do not know et mishpat Yahweh. My people do not know the judgments. And yada isn't just to know, it's to know and understand and comprehend. It's an intimate knowing of something. It's not just knowledge of something, it's something that you know, something you've experienced. So again, he says, my people do not know or experience the mishpat of Yahweh. And, that, and, and these are the things that we need to know. These are things we need to understand. Micah 6, 8 says, He has told you, humanity, what is good and what Adonai is seeking from you. What? What does he say that is good and what Yahweh is desiring for us? To practice justice. Practice mishpat. Practice judge justice. Love mercy and walk humbly with you. That's a good way to just kind of sum it all up, isn't it? You know, and, and if we're doing that, then we would be doing well to work with one another. Ezekiel 18, 21, 22 says, If the wicked turns, where therefore turn is Yeshuv. Yeshuv. Shuv is a word we often use for repent, for repentance, teshuva. And shuv literally means to return or to go back home, to press back into the house and be joined to the house. So when we say we're repenting, what we're doing is coming back home to the Father. Much like the prodigal. What did he do? He went back home to the Father. So, so when he says when the wicked turns, that's repentant. So the wicked turns from his sins that he committed and keeps my laws and does what is lawful and right. So, and he does mishpat tzedakah. Again, mishpat tzedek, lawful and right, lawful and just. Then he will surely live. He will not die. None of his transgressions that he committed will be remembered because of his righteousness that he practiced. He will live. Notice it's not just about the righteousness that he has done. It's a first off, what's the, what's the prerequisite? Repentance. So he repents and then does basically what Yahweh said to do. So if he re- we repent and we follow him, we repent and we learn to walk in his ways is essentially what this is. So that's what we do. We repent and we learn to walk. Isaiah 30, 18. Therefore, Adonai is longing to be gracious to you, thus he will be exalted, so he may have mercy on you. For Adonai is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. See that? No, he says he is a God of justice, and he is longing to be gracious to you so that he can have mercy. That's a beautiful thing. He said, when you consider that, you know, if we all got what we deserved, it would be terrible. That's why he is longing to extend his mercy and his grace so that we can walk with him rightful and and to stand in a place of relationship with him that we can move forward. Psalm 37, 27 and 28 says, turn from evil and do good so you may live forever. For Adonai loves justice and does not abandon his godly ones. They will be preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked will be cut off. See that? If you belong to him, then we're going to learn to walk in things where he considers justice righteous, like we just read back in Micah, right? Mishpatim, this por- portion of scripture called Mishpatim, which we just went back through earlier, Exodus 21 through 24. Uh, go back and read them. I'm not going to go through it all here today, but go back and read them to see what the Father is explaining to us. The Mishpatim shows a commitment to live as part of a community and to demonstrate a lifestyle of holiness. I don't belong to me. I belong to Yahweh. He is set apart, and we know he says to be holy because he is holy right? That means he is set apart. He teaches us his ways. As we're walking with him, we are a people who he set apart. So we're learning to follow after him in that way. Romans 12, 4 and 5 says, just as there are many parts that compose one body, but the parts don't all have the same function. So there are many of us, but in union with the Messiah, we comprise one body with each of us belonging to the others. And even in, you know, in the local body, that's awesome. But guess what, guys? There's a body of Messiah that is worldwide that we are a part of. 
And we need to learn how to function within that body so that we all can uh, grow together and to see the heart of the Father established here on the earth. In the time commentary, it puts it this way, our standards for how we treat others must be based not on social utilitarian cons, con, or concerns, the desire for an orderly society. Many people just say, no, we just want order in society, which is not a bad thing, but, but is that why we do the things we do? Or is there something deeper? And that's what this is addressing. So our standards, how we treat others, must not be based on social utilitarian concerns, the desire for an orderly society, but on the recognition of the image of God in every person and the presence of God in every relationship. That makes things deeper. If we say, if the, if, the, if, the, if the living spirit of Yahweh lives in you and he dwells within you and he's changed your life, but he's done the same for your brother. He's done the same for the person sitting next to you, see? And so we need to approach one another. I mean, consider that for a minute. I, I think about, you know, the high priest, Aaron, he had to have that, 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 that gold miter put up there and, and on it was engraved, Kadosh le Yahweh, holy to the Lord, holy to Yahweh. And he said he is set apart to Yahweh, most holy, right? But, but you are a holy people. You are set apart to Yahweh. Can you imagine if we are on the way to go talk to a grievance about, you know, I got something to tell my brother and I'm mad at him and we go and approach him. And as we approach him, we see written across his forehead, holy to the Lord. We approach him differently because that's what we are. And so the things that we do and how we approach one another needs to reflect the idea that Yahweh dwells and lives in you, but he also lives and dwells in your brother. So we need to treat each other as a holy people that are set apart. And when we do have disputes, we need to handle them with some grace and, and, and learn to walk together and live together in a place that, that develops harmony with one another and showing the heart of the Father. Proverbs 18, 1 and 2 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. <laughs> you ever known anyone like that? Hopefully we're not pointing any fingers. <laughs> But if you, if you understand, guess what, guys? There, there are some points in time we've all been there. <laughs> Many of us have been there, especially in, our, in the teenage years, and we learn to grow out of that. Psalm 133.1 says what? Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell how? Together in unity. Gam yachad, together in a place of unity. It doesn't mean that we're going to see everything the same way. It doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything. What it means is we're willing to walk in a place of dwelling together in a place of unity for something bigger than myself. And I'm a pretty big guy. <laughs> what about grace? How does this fit into all of this? You know, a lot of people will, will put judgment and grace opposing one another. And they, they really don't. They really don't. Some people have used the issue of, of the woman caught in adultery in, in a place of, no, this is showing where instead of judgment, God gave, you know, Yeshua gave grace. And like I said back at the beginning, you know, everything that Yahweh gives us is by his grace, <laughs> okay? But that's, that's not exactly what happened here. Yeshua used the Torah properly, used the judgment in the Torah properly, and it set her free. Not getting into, into the depths of it, but consider this. He brought the woman... And so we caught her in the act of adultery and all these guys are ready to stone her, pick up the stones, right? And, and it's like, you know, she's supposed to be stoned. What do you say? Because we're trying to catch him in something like they always did, right? And he stoops down, he starts writing in the sand. We're not told what he was writing in the sand. My personal opinion, I think he was writing the names of the ones that were also guilty with her. There's a scripture in Jeremiah that says, those who turn their back on you, their names will be written in the dust. Maybe. Not saying it's, it's what it was, just saying Maybe. So he's, he's describing the names, and then he tells them what? He who is without sin, as he kind of like wrote their names, 
he who's without sin cast the first stone. He goes back and he keeps writing in the dust. So what do they do? Because see, understand, if there was a stoning offense and you were a witness to it, the one who was a witness was supposed to cast the first stone. That's why someone who witnessed something had to be a credible witness. So if you came forward as a witness for something, you were also put on the stand to see if you were trustworthy. So it wasn't just because you said something that something happened, okay? You had to be a credible witness. If you were a witness, but you weren't credible, your testimony wouldn't stand. So what happens? They all leave. And Yeshua says to the woman, woman, did he say you're not guilty? No. What did he ask? Where are your accusers? Where are the witnesses? Where are the ones to make these accusations against you? What does the Torah say? Out of the mouth of two or more witnesses, two or three witnesses, let anything be done so that there is a, a recording for this offense that is given for this. Let anything be established with two or more witnesses. Where are the witnesses? There aren't any. The only one who could bear witness who knew would be Yeshua. And guess what? He was one. So he said, where are the, where are the witnesses? Where are those that accuse you? She said, there aren't any accusers. He said, so, so I don't accuse you. Then he tells her to go and sin no more. What does he mean when it says sin no more? Learn what the word says so you no longer transgress it. Because sin is the violation of the Torah. First John, right? Sin is violation of the Torah. So go and sin no more means go and learn what the scripture says so you do not violate the scripture and learn to walk with him. He properly used the Torah and judgment being given to set her free in an act of grace. See how it all works together? Okay, a couple things here. John 1, 17. It says the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Yeshua, right? How many of you have read that translation that way? Here's the thing. That word, but, is not there. It's not in the text. It was inserted in interpretation. So when you say the Torah is given through Moshe, grace and truth came through Yeshua the Messiah. It, it reads a little bit different. So we can, we can interpret it this way. The Torah was given through Moses and the grace and truth realized in how it was established to be walked out and lived, we see in Yeshua. It's different. All because of oftentimes when we read the scripture and we say, we see this, but which means everything we've heard before that we consider irrelevant. And that's not how we're supposed to. John 5, 46 says, if you believe Moses, you will believe me because he wrote about me. If we truly believe what Yeshua says, which we should, but consider what Yeshua said here. If you truly believe Moses, you will believe the words I'm telling you because he wrote about. If we really believe what with the Torah and that which was given, we could see Yeshua in the midst of all of these. And the other side of that is just as true. We can't say, well, you know, I'll believe the words of Yeshua, but I'm not going to believe the words of Moses. Because Yeshua says, if you believe Moses, you believe him. Yeshua says that it's the words of Moses that validate, that show him, that reveal him. And so we cannot discount them. And so they do work together. Titus 2, 11 to 14 says, the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. Again, we know this is revealed in Yeshua, our Messiah, right? The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all people. That's his desire, that all would be redeemed, that all would be saved, right? He said, and what does it do? The grace of God appears, and what does it do? Verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. If we say grace is anything other than something that equips us to do this, then we have a misled idea of what grace is. Grace does not say it's okay, you can continue to live in your sin. It says that the grace has come that teaches us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and live self-controlled, upright, godly lives. 
That's what the grace of Yahweh does for us. It equips us to do just that. Verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Yeshua, who gave himself for us to redeem us from what? Lawlessness. To redeem us from lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Okay, a couple things here. To redeem us from lawlessness, he did not come to redeem us from the law. <laughs> he did not come to redeem us from the Torah. He came to redeem us from not observing the Torah and the penalty of it. And he came to redeem us so we would be a possession for good works, good deeds. Mitzvot. What's the word for mitzvah? Commands. The things that Yahweh has commanded toward us. So he redeems us from lawlessness when we, are, when we fail short, when we do miss the mark. The penalty for that, he paid that penalty. It doesn't change the penalty for sin. Grace doesn't change the penalty. But grace says, I paid that penalty for you. Now go and learn to walk in the ways that I have established before you. Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in the Messiah Yeshua. For the law of the spirit of life in Messiah Yeshua has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what was impossible for the Torah, what was impossible for the Torah? Does it say that the Torah was weak, that the Torah was impossible? Is that what it says? No. What it says is this. What was impossible for the Torah? Since it was weakened on account of the flesh. The weakness of the Torah was not the Torah, it was the people. The weakness of the Torah is it can't make you do what's right. <laughs> the weakness of the Torah is it can't change you. So what happened? He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. He condemned sin in the flesh. Why? So that the just requirement of the Torah would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the... So for those living according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Ruach, set their minds on the things of the Ruach. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Ruach is life and shalom. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not submit itself to the law of God. See that? Not submitting yourself to the law of God is being hostile toward him. And that's what it says that the carnal mind does. It does not submit itself to Yahweh and his word. But if we, are do, if we do submit ourselves to Yahweh and his word, they are walking in the things that are spiritual, like we even read in Romans 7 before, the law is spiritual. Now, how do we do this? We submit ourselves to Yahweh to walk in his word, to walk in his ways. And this is why it says, uh, for those who walk according to the flesh cannot please God. How do we please Yahweh? Surrender, surrender. We turn ourselves to him and learn to walk with him. James 4, 6 says, he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How many of you have heard grace is just unmerited favor? That means like everyone gets it? Well, if everyone gets it, how come it says here the proud don't get it? Think about these. 1 Peter 5.5 5 says, Likewise, you younger ones, submit yourself to the elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Where'd they get these from? Proverbs 3.34 says, He scoffs at the scoffers. He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. As we submit ourselves to Yahweh, he gives us his grace. He equips us with his grace. But him giving us his grace doesn't change his work. It changes you. The word used for grace in the scripture most often is chen and chesed. Chen and chesed are the Hebrew words that are used there. Grace, chen means uh, kindness, favor, uh, or grace. Chesed, again, kindness, loving kindness, uh, again, favor, good deeds, to mercy, pity, all of these things working. Chen and chesed are the words translated for grace. The first mention of grace in the scripture is with Noah. Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of Yahweh. But Noah matzah chen be'ene Yahweh. The word there, first word there is, and Noah 
found grace. Noah, chen. It's the same, but opposite. It's kind of a play on words. And Noah is nun chet, and grace is chet nun. And so the idea is Noah means rest. So what is he teaching? That we rest in his grace. And that's what he's teaching. Because that will equip us to live a changed life. It doesn't change the word. It doesn't change righteousness. It doesn't change these things. Grace does not free us from the burden of obedience. It frees us to walk differently. Look, James 2, 17 to 20 says, even so faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. See that? The key word there is alone, okay? It says faith without works is dead being alone. So faith alone is what it's talking about. But faith goes with works. Scripturally speaking, if you believe, it's not an abstract thought. Scripturally speaking, believe means do. So you believe something, therefore it affects your actions, therefore you do something. The great faith chapter in scripture, right? Hebrews 11, right? As you talk about by faith, by faith, so-and-so did something over and over. And it's not the doing something that saves you or redeems you. No, not at all. But at the same time, because you are redeemed, you will do. And that's the difference. It's not a matter of, oh, I have to do this so that I can. Nope, it's a wrong way to approach it anyway, period. But if we approach his word saying, this is what he desires for me and how he wants us to live, and this is what he calls us to live our lives as people that are set apart, I belong to him, so I want to hear his voice and I want to do the things that he says, and that's a different approach. So back here. Even so faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. Yeah, a man may say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. So you believe that there is one God. You do well. The devils also believe and they tremble. But will you, vain man, know that faith without works is dead? And then Yeshua, the model of grace, right? <laughs> well, guess what he said? John 14, 15, if you love me, what do he say? Keep my commandment. John 15, 9 and 10. As a father has loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Romans 10, 4 through 10, which by the way, is quoting from Deuteronomy 9, 4 and Deuteronomy 30, 12 to 14. What does it say? For the Messiah is the aim of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. If we believe we're going to learn what the word says so that we will follow in his ways, that means righteousness. We're going to do what he says, and that is what he has declared as righteous. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law. The man which does these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring the Messiah down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up the Messiah from the dead. But what says it? That the word is near you even in your mouth and your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. So that if you confess with your mouth the Master Yeshua and believe in your heart that Elohim is raised from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness, with the mouth confession is made to salvation. If you believe, you will act on that belief. And what do those acts look like? Righteousness, justice, grace, compassion, mercy, all of these learning. Colossians 3, 12 to 15. I want to kind of end, end, end just with a couple encouraging uh, charges, if you will. Colossians 3, 12 to 15. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves in tender compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has pardoned you, so also you must pardon 
But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfect harmony. Let the shalom of the Messiah rule in your hearts. To this shalom you were surely called in one body, and also be thankful. Word from the prophets. We're going to walk in one heart and one mind together to, to testify to the heart of the Father. I hope so. Ezekiel 11, 17 to 20 says, Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the people, assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And when they come there, they will remove from it all the detestable things and its abominations. And I will give them one heart. Whose heart? His. And a new spirit I will put within them. Whose spirit? I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh. Meaning, he will remove that heart of stone, the heart that's hard and callous toward him. Write his word on it like Jeremiah 31 says he's going to do. And then as he writes his word on it, give us back a heart that is soft and pliable towards him and his ways. Give us back a heart for him. And to do what? I give him a new heart, give him a new spirit. For what reason? Verse 20 that they may walk in my statute. Keep my rules and obey them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. If we're walking in the spirit of Yahweh, if we're walking in, in, in a new life that he has given us, new spirit, new heart, all of this, which he has, then that means we're going to walk according to his word. We're not going to walk contrary. To. And so back to the beginning, is it important to know what mishpat are? Yes. Why? So that we learn the heart of the Father, so that we learn what pleases him, and so that we learn how to handle life with one another. A lot of times we have misplaced anger towards Yahweh. What does that mean? That means sometimes we get mad with, with somebody else and blame, blame Yahweh for it, you know? Be careful and learn to walk with one another so that we're showing the love of the Father and receiving the love that he has for us. And so that we're learning to walk in his ways together so that we can truly be a people to show his kingdom here on earth. He says that live your life in such a way that when people see your good deeds, they will glorify your Father in heaven. That's what he's called. Learn to walk with him so that he, amen.